From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, the alpha and omega of fish oil and ocular surface disease, part two. Our findings suggest that the objective dry eye measures should start improving as early as day 30, with continued improvement then by day 60. First this. 2017 marks the launch of a new meeting, the iWorld Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. The beauty of Deer Valley is astounding. Gorgeous mountains, crisp air, wonderful food, and Deer Valley is justifiably famous for its fabulous skiing. And all of this is just the backdrop to the most convivial and practical meeting of the year. The iWorld Surgical Summit focuses on advances and techniques that you can apply to your practice immediately. Look for links to next year's Surgical Summit at surgicalsummit.iworld.org. And did I mention the skiing? This is part two of my interview with Laura Downey on fish oil and ocular surface disease. We pick up where we left off last time. What were your findings? What were your results? Uh, So of the 60 people we enrolled, we had 54 complete the study. And the effect sizes for both our primary outcome measures were highly clinically significant. So first, in relation to our tear osmolarity findings, Tear hyperosmolarity is a well-established feature of dry eye and we know that that is associated with ocular surface inflammation. So at baseline, the average tear osmolarity of our participants was about 325 milliosmol per litre, which is consistent with moderately severe disease. By day 90, the tear osmolarity was reduced from baseline with both the krill oil and fish oil supplements compared with placebo by an average of about 20 units. So this means on average, uh, participants treated with the omega-3s had a post-treatment tear osmolarity of approximately 305 milliosmol per litre, which represents a really profound normalisation of tear tonicity given that normal values are considered about 308 or less. So this is markedly below the commonly used threshold for diagnosing dry eye of about 316 milliosmol per litre. And what we found um, very interesting was that at the end of the study, 80% of our participants in the omega-3 groups would actually have not qualified for the study um, because of their level of improvement in tear osmolarity. So our study clearly demonstrates the beneficial effects um, of long-chain omega-3 supplements on normalising tear tonicity in people with dry eye. And in addition to this, uh, we found clinically meaningful improvements in patient symptoms. So the symptomatic improvement occurred at day 90, which was about one month after the normalisation of tear tonicity which first became apparent at day 60. So this finding that tear osmolarity improvement precedes symptomatic improvement is consistent with previous reports and also supports the utility of tear osmolarity measures as a responsive parameter for monitoring therapeutic efficacy. So at day 90, the symptom score was reduced by an average of about 19 units from baseline with krill oil, and this was statistically significant from the placebo group. The improvement in the OSDI score for the fish oil group um, 
trended towards significance but did not quite reach statistical significance by day 90. So the level of symptomatic improvement in terms of clinical significance well exceeds the established minimally clinically important difference of seven units um, and so emphasises um, that there really is not only a clinical improvement objectively but also a significant subjective improvement for patients. We also observe changes, uh, improvements in tear breakup time, a reduction in ocular bulbar redness compared with placebo, and this was for both forms of the omega-3 supplements. You noted an improvement in signs and uh, an improvement in, in symptoms, but these improvements were not simultaneous. Can I get you to sort of flesh that, that point out for me? Yes. Yeah, so as you note, I think a key clinical point to emphasize is that we found that the improvements in objective clinical signs occurred before significant changes to the participants' dry eye symptoms. So in particular, the reduction in osmolarity happened about one month before patients actually reported having significant changes to their symptoms. So from a clinical standpoint, I think this emphasises that we as clinicians do need to emphasise to our patients about the expected time course of the therapeutic of the omega-3s and so in particular to be able to reassure our patients that the symptomatic improvement will likely take about three months uh, and to persist early on uh, even if no apparent improvement is noticed by the patient. And then from the clinician's perspective, our findings suggest that the objective dry eye measures should start improving as early as day 30 and in our study we observed this with a reduction in bulbar redness with continued improvement then by day 60, uh, where we observed changes to tear osmolarity and tear stability. And this should be maintained and followed then uh, by patients improving in terms of their symptom scores over the next month. Were there any substantial differences in, in results between the uh, phospholipids from krill as opposed to the, the triglycerides from fish oil? So we did find that moderate daily doses of either the fish oil or krill oil uh, significantly reduced tear osmolarity, improved the stability of the tear film and reduced the bulbar redness in people with dry eye. But our findings do suggest that krill oil could potentially confer some additional therapeutic benefits over fish oil. Um, and this was evident with the statistically significant improvement in OSDI score and also lower basal tear levels of the interleukin IL-17A relative to placebo at the study endpoint. IL-17A has been implicated in autoimmune disease and tissue inflammation and has been suggested to play a role in mediating corneal epithelial barrier disruption in dry eye disease. The reduction that we observed in TIL-17A levels, specifically with krill oil supplementation, actually parallels the immunomodulatory effects imparted by topical cyclosporin, which has been shown to decrease conjunctival IL-17A and interferon gamma expression in experimental models of dry eye. So we think this finding suggests that krill oil is modulating immune responses within the eye and it's intriguing that we didn't observe this effect with fish oil, suggesting that it might relate either to the unique properties of krill oil in its phospholipid form or perhaps the effects of the antioxidant astaxanthin. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. 
Laura, are there types of dry eye that you feel would particularly benefit from this therapy? Specifically, do, do you feel that this therapy is more applicable to patients with meibomian gland dysfunction than to patients with primary uh, aqueous underproduction? So this is a really important question for clinical care. And as supported by our findings, given the potential dual action of omega-3 supplements on both modulating inflammation as well as altering meibomian gland secretions, there's scientific rationale that omega-3 supplements should be beneficial for people with both aqueous deficient and evaporative dry eye. So in addition to the anti-inflammatory effects that we've spoken about in a fair bit of detail, um, the systemic omega-3 supplementation alters the fatty acid composition of the meibomian gland secretions. And so this should improve the quality of those secretions um, to thereby improve tear stability, um, reduce tear film evaporation, and then also lend to reduced symptoms of dry eye disease. Laura, here, here's the sort of bottom line question. How should these findings affect my clinical practice? Should I recommend omega-3 supplementation for all of my, my dry patients who can tolerate it? And should I recommend uh, krill oil over fish oil for my patients? So this is another really important question. Um, and as a current member of the Tear Film Ocular Surface Society uh, International Dry Eye Workshop 2, uh, it's certainly become apparent that our knowledge of the role of omega-3s in the treatment of dry eye has made significant advances and I expect will continue to evolve so that we can fully answer some of those questions. So from our study, I think there are a few important um, take-home messages. First, that we find that there is this moderate dose. So it's a combined daily dose of 1,000 milligrams EPA and 500 milligrams DHA in either fish oil or krill oil form will have benefits in terms of improving tear osmolarity and a range of other clinical signs in people with dry eye. Provided there are no medical contraindications to their use, these findings strongly support using omega-3 supplements as a therapy to reduce the signs and symptoms of dry eye uh, in our population, which were people with moderately severe disease. Whether there's further benefit obtained with a longer treatment duration or perhaps a slightly different dose uh, is going to be a focus of a follow-up study we are currently planning. With regard to the use of fish oil versus krill oil, uh, our study is the first to demonstrate the therapeutic potential of krill oil for modulating ocular inflammation in dry eye. While many of the clinical findings were similar for fish and krill, the differential modulation of tear IL-17A with krill oil suggests that perhaps these anti-inflammatory effects are not entirely the same. So the improvement we saw in symptoms was slightly better with krill oil compared with fish oil. And krill oil is generally considered to have the advantage of fewer gastrointestinal side effects, although we didn't observe any specific difference in this adverse effect in our groups. Uh, and from a practical standpoint, another factor that might need to be considered is that krill oil supplements can generally be more expensive than fish oil supplements. So this may be a cost factor in the decision making with patients. In summary, our study demonstrates 
the beneficial effects of long-chain omega-3s for reducing key clinical signs and symptoms of dry eye. And our findings suggest that krill oil may confer some additional benefits over fish oil. And so given this outcome, further investigation um, of krill oil for treating dry eye is needed. Uh, and we are hoping to undertake a larger multi-centre clinical trial over a longer treatment duration uh, to further confirm its long-term efficacy and safety. The dosing question is still an important one that requires further research. So our dose is on the lower side of what has been investigated. I am aware of a large multi-centre trial being done uh, in the US uh, which is involving uh, fish oil supplements at an EPA DHA dose twice that that we've used. So they're using 3,000 milligrams EPA DHA per day. So it'll be interesting to see how their findings compare with ours in terms of the magnitude of the clinical improvement and the time course, um, because that's a, that's a significantly higher dose. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's got to be with, with most packaging, what, like three, four pills, right? Yeah, so ours was five pills. Really, so, is it? Uh, yeah, this was five capsules per day. So most um, supplements contain, not all of them, but the standard ones are 180 milligrams EPA and 120 DHA. You can get some more concentrated forms, which is what I think they're using in that other study. Um, but that represents you know, a, a fairly a fairly high dose of um, omega-3. Um, and we're interested in pursuing the other end of the scale, really to look at what's the minimum you can use um, to impart these these changes. Yeah, really, really neat stuff. Laura, I want to thank you so much for presenting this. I mean, it's really great stuff. Laura, thank you very much. Thank you. Laura Downey is Senior Lecturer and Translating Research into Practice Fellow at the University of Melbourne in Melbourne, Australia. Her paper, A Randomized Double Mask, placebo-controlled clinical trial of two forms of omega-3 supplements for treating dry eye disease appears in the January 2017 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Downey or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.